Welcome to Men in Charge. I'm Tony Flynn. And I'm Kevin Decker. Well, Kevin, yep. I think that's a useful admission. I mean, the prosecution will look kindly upon that. But you need to tell us about this next segment of the new Schmalkaldic League series. Yeah, we're wrapping up the Schmalkaldic League here in our last season. And this is part two of a three-part epic adventure. Really, it was too big for one episode, too big for two, but not really enough for three. So next week, I'm going to be apologizing to you quite a bit. But Last time, we uh, saw the spiraling out of control of the uh, rivalry between the Neptunians and Vulcanists, some rogue geologists in the 16th century who have been trying to figure out how the Earth's surface was formed. As I recall, because I took notes and had my brain scrubbed, in fact, this episode goes back Back in time. 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 That's right. Into the previous episode. It prequels itself, even though it's a sequel. And the reason for that was, A, because I just thought I'd try to do some flashbacky lost TV series storytelling Mm -hmm. to play with time. But the real reason was that a bunch of people from last week weren't available for recording this week. Yeah, we always write to the cast and um, they don't write back. Some of them actually left the country and vowed never to come back. Because of us. (laughs) We drove them away with our incessant, non-paying demands. But the good news is is that we've uh, paid them enough in shekels to come back, and we'll have that full cast again for next week, episode three of the Schmalkaldic League's final adventure, In Hot Water. Yeah, we are getting to the end, as Kevin has intimated, actually quite bluntly, this season, season 11, is the final season of Men in Charge. After that... You'll just have to wait for the echoes from space. It's a means by which Men in Charge will be rebroadcast. That's true. And, hey, you won't have Tony and Kevin to kick around anymore. No, not that you ever bothered to listen enough to kick us around in the first place. Poor us. Our moms are mad at you. The year is 1541 in a world much different from ours. Welcome to part two of another grand epic of the Chronicles of the Schmalkaldic League, 16th century Protestant Europe's secret coterie of spies, tinkers, and scapegraces, whose every effort aims at foiling the Catholic Church and its protector, Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. In the last episode, the Neptunians, we glimpsed the rivalry between Neptunians and Vulcanists, two schools of revisionary 16th century geology, and now their conflict encompasses all Europe. And we saw the Schmalkaldic League under siege by their many enemies. To find out how these defenders of Protestantism, the Countess, Crespelasian, and Grimhilda, may meet their end, perhaps it would be best to go back to the beginning of this particular adventure. Not the very beginning, of course. The end state of the Great Flood of the Age of Noah 6,000 years ago is precisely what the Neptunians and Vulcanists are arguing about. No, let's simply go back five days before the events of last episode, the Neptunians. The place? A small town in Bohemia, where children are delighting in a marionette show in the Zentraler plots. Well spotted, son. Here, have a grape, Nehi. I can't tell whether it's the raven you released three days ago or the dove from yesterday. Hopefully it's not that vulture we set free two weeks ago. Remember how poorly that went? Yeah, the vulture ate Noah's wife. 
Served her right. There were only 13 species saved on Noah's boat, and his wife killed five of them through poor arc animal husbandry. Yeah, excuse me, fella, but you're ruining the show for the kids. I'm no feller. You can call me Steel Fist. If you can recover from the shock of realizing it's really me, Steel Fist. <laughs> Steel Fist. No, actually, I can't. <laughs> come out. Come out wherever you are, Crestblazian. I'll destroy your puppet theater, your toys, and this whole town if I have to. Listeners, it's the Soldier of Fortune, formerly known as Mercenarius, who's been nursing a grudge against the League ever since he lost his hand to the rusty scythe of East Poland during a failed Schmalkaldic mission in Krakow. Once, I was the chief eliminator of problems for the Junkers and their Hanseatic League. That was a much better Protestant League, with better pay and benefits than your stupid Schmalkaldic League. Did you lose your good standing in the Hans Mercenarius? I bet he was too handsy with the young ladies. Stop talking through the puppets! Now I work for the Medicis and their Vulcanist allies. They've sent me here to cut off the source of the vile pro-Neptunian propaganda. I'm not surprised to see that Aldo Crasplasian, Hungary's puppet king, is at the heart of things. Actually, Leopold Dimwit III is the puppet king of Hungary. I'm the king of puppets. Right, kids? Why don't you make the bad man drop your town elder Vartsen, kids? Ow! Ah! Those plums aren't ripe. Really, kids? Now you'll get yours, Crossblazian. Pay attention to the man behind the curtain, children. This traitor has been responsible for many, many deaths and for botched puppet performances of the Eastern Passion Play where Jesus was portrayed by a baby badger. Now, which of my steel fist attachments should I use on you, Aldo? Pliers? The Nutcracker? I've always wondered what this one does. That's a leather punch. Thank you, and shut up. How about a little leather punching, Crestblazian? I could turn you into my own punching bag. Mercenarius, stop. We need that one alive to lead us to the bigger Schmalkaldic fish. Ugh, can't I just wire crimp his fingers or something? Who's that woman? That's Isidora Delgado, a rogue geologist and the very deadly leader of the Vulcanist faction. Well, I don't like the look of that dagger she's carrying. This, my dear Podunk Town Elder, is a knife made from million-year-old shale from Anatolia. What are you going to do with it? It's sedimentary, dear Vartzen. I'm going to kill you to set an example. I thought that killing innocent townspeople to make a point was my job. Silence! Drag the king of puppets from the ruin of his kingdom. We must get on the road to Florence immediately. Ah, okay, I can do that, but... But what? Which Crassblazian do you want? I'm afraid that one was never enough of me, Delgado. How do you think I earned my reputation? 
our reputation. It takes two to Tarantella, Isadora. Two of them? What nonsense is this? Double the pleasure when I kill each of you and make the other watch. You don't, don't get invited invite to many, many parties, parties, do you, Steel, steel fist. fist? Well, will the real Aldo Crassplasian, Hungary's king of puppets, please stand up? Crassplasian's art was such that he had created quasi-convincing duplicates of some of Europe's greatest aristocrats out of mere wood, wire, and string. Because we're now tuning in to the interior of a very special carriage, one of the moving seats of authority in a disparately spread empire, a carriage called Habsburg II. Inside, the Emperor's daughter and chief torturer, Margaret of Parma, is having a quality moment with her confidant-slash-flunky, that hideously normal-looking thug, Stanislav. Who are you admiring in your locket, mistress? Do you have a portrait of me in there? No, Stanislav. But I do have a cameo of Mummy. See? It's a silhouette. All men fell before the awesome charisma of Lady Johanna van der Geenst. They also fell for her special dagger, the Obelis. See? Hear how they worked it into the cameo? Very pointy. <sighs> My daughters, God bless their souls, with a spitting image of mummy. The loss of your daughters is indeed tragic, but I do not recognize the miniature of the fellow on the right side of the locket. That's because you're an idiot, Stanislav. Those who are in the European literati will recognize the proud dimples of a de' Medici, Alessandro, my betrothed. Congratulate? Oh, wait, you're getting married? Yes, yes, yes. I've decided that I want much more in my life than just assassinations and mutilating limbs to get at the truth. The Pope himself, bless him, made the match. Oh, you mean Pope Ted Durham's the 52nd? You're on a first-name basis with Ted? I hear he's one of the greatest since the first Pope, Ted Derms the first. And he will also be performing the ceremony. Thousands will attend. Oh, am I invited? Absolutely not. You stink for one thing. Wait. Deluda, stop the carriage. Oh, hold up there. <laughs> what is that woman doing with the water of that lake over there? By the pattern of her tights, I'd say she was a geologist. As she moves the boxes, some infernal devices, in our hands, the liquid itself responds, rises, dips, and weaves through itself. Remarkable and eminently stealable. Excuse me, excuse me, there, make way for the doctors of Pharma. Who's she talking to? There's no one to make way. Listeners, Margaret of Parma has made a crucial first contact with the Neptunians, that society of geologists 
who oh so wetly declare that the Noachian deluge, whatever that is, created the Alps, the Mediterranean Sea, the whole geomorphic enchilada. And what's more, Neptunians exercise intricate control of all sorts of water, at least at the level of perfection of the Comtes de Duque, leader of that faction. Soon we shall see what Margaret and the Comtes make of each other, but first, this. Announcer, you are feeling very sleepy. Oh, very sleepy. I, Grimhilde, the psychosomatic poisoner, am delighted that the announcer has stepped aside to allow me to finish the exposition now. I know how things go from the inside, after all. For example, right now, I'm using a special brew. This is a foul-tasting enzymatic broth with cardamom parts and hints of Countess von Uxkew's shape-changing DNA. Oh, the Countess, as the listener may know. You can't keep your eyes open, announcer. And if the listener doesn't know who the Countess is, then it's likely she's not a true Schmalkaldic League fan. Oh, burn. While the Countess transmorphifies herself by nature, and has done so, I suspect, many thousands of times, I have used just a little bit of that power to present myself as one of Count Crimson's royal guards. Here in the Count's laboratory, I hope to find the roots of the Count's latest Mephistophelian plan. I have news now. Tongue of Trump, even first. Crimson's got some real 14th century technology here. What's that? It's coming from. What does the sign say? This guard's eyesight is very poor. To laboratory basement. Ha! This laboratory is already a basement in itself. Who faster digs a basement for a basement laboratory? Perhaps the basement has a basement? No way to find out what to go down there. Ah, this guard's got fallen arches. His feet are killing me. Uh, uh, whoa, whoa, was I sleeping on the job? Oh, uh, I, I, it seems like there's something nasty in the basement of the laboratory of Count Crimson's chateau, listener. And when Grimhilda, the psychosomatic poisoner, finds it, we'll be there. For now, however, let's find out what's going on with Aldo Crossplasian and his double. Or is the double the real Aldo Crossplasian? Only his hairdresser knows for sure. Ah, Florence, and its lovely early Renaissance sunshine. The Ponte Vecchio, Florence Cathedral and Giotto's Campanile, the Uffizi Palace, and the largest number of ye old big and tall men's clothing shops in any major city of Europe. In the Palazzo Vecchio, we find Margaret of Parma's fiancé, the mercurial Alessandro de' Medici, brooding in the Hercules room. Alessandro is attended by his golem vizier, Crozier, Across the elegantly polished parquet, an ally approaches. 
Most honored Duke of the Florentine Republic, Isidoro Delgado of the Berlin Royal Society for Extraordinary Pomposity, to see you. Your Grace, Vulcanist scientists have gathered their pipettes and Erlenmeyer flasks and are ready for our impending strike in Anatolia. Excellente! And what news from Bohemia, Delgado? Uh, how do I say this? In one sense, we've been doubly successful. Doubly successful? How so? Allow me to demonstrate, Your Grace. Mercenarius, bring them in! I told you my legal name now is Steel Fist. Always call me... Silence, one-handed freak! Or people could just call me one-handed freak. Ah, uh, now I see what you mean, Delgado. Two Aldocross Palaisians. How delightful! But we've rumbled his game, Duke Alessandro. It turns out, years ago, Crassblasian, master puppeteer that he is, made a complex, self-regulated marionette of himself. It was to escape a Habsburg death squad, your grace. Silence. Speak only to the Duke when you are spoken to, and his grace will not be spoken to by a mere automaton. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? One of us is the automaton, and one isn't. But I can't remember which. Neither can I. Apparently, he finished construction after a weekend bender in Brussels. A few casks of triple bock only. Fantastic! A creator so brilliant that he cannot tell himself from his creation. Kind of like a reverse Frankenstein. What is that spike-handed one talking about? Oh, never mind. Nobody gets my illusions. That is a common problem. His grace doesn't get illusions. Or his wise to illusions. Don't move, Duke Alessandro. There is a stiletto at your throat. Really? Dear me! How did that get here? I, Countess von Uxkill of the Schmelgaldic League, have put it there. Your Grace! Don't anyone move, or the Duke gets it. I doubt you could take me, Countess. I'm Steel Fist of the... Yes, yes, as you constantly remind us, you're well-armed, Steel Fist. But you're also half a city block away in this massive reception room. My stiletto is a mere fraction of an inch from Alessandro's corrupted artery. Impressive anatomical knowledge, Countess. Well played. As I was saying, Steel Fist, you're well armed. Aldo, disarm his arm. Uh, which, which one, one of us? us? It doesn't matter. Whichever of you is closest. Quickly. Nothing personal, mercenarius slash steel fist. Your meat hook is the only other weapon in the room. Ooh, ah, that pinches. Stop, it hurts. Oh, Countess von Yukskill, before you take this too far, let me make a counter proposition to you. How would the Schmalkaldic League like to be able to revenge itself on any pesky Catholics with the power of molten lava. You mean we could perform basalt and battery on the Emperor's minions? No thanks. But I will take you to the Palazzo Dungeons to extract the details of your dastardly Vulcanist Anatolia project from you. Ah, oh, man. I feel so naked without my steel fist. 
Aldo, come here by the Duke. Use the Sleepy Juice Injector Module on the Naked One's multi-weapon. Okay. Come along, Your Grace. We'll make this quick and easy. Get your filthy hands off me, you ruffian! What should I do? Escort Mercenarius out of here. Give him a hand, but not literally. Now come on, Delgado. Okay, I think this is the right attachment. Hey, Steel Fist, is this the right? No one drugs at the Medici! Ah! Ah! Other Aldo? What's wrong? I don't think this was the right attachment. Does Sleepy Juice make your limbs feel dead? Black spots swim before your eyes? You picked the Presto Poison Pricker, idiot! Ah! Alas! Pricked before my time! Fair Alexandro is killed! Really? Was it any surprise with you and the Borgias conducting mutual consecutive poisoning marathons for the last few months? Worst news. In the struggle, I too have been pricked. Carry on for me, other Aldo. Carry. Now I shall never kiss the lips of fair Margaret of Parma nor eat of her borscht. Alas! Wow. You just ended a 500-year dynasty, buddy. Biological me was always clumsy. So you're the puppet? Outrageous! Come on, let's get you a spatula or something to stick in your armhole. Now I don't know if I can go by a steel fist anymore. Shouldn't we bury your other self? What's burying? You mean recycle for parts? That seems gross. At least your seven is still intact. Well, how's that for action, listener? News of the accidental assassination eventually wings its way to Margaret of Parma, who's meeting with the Neptunian's Comtes de Duque in the Comtes's apartments in the city of Utrecht at Eilstrasse number five. My dear Alessandro, murdered before our wedding, and by agents of the Schmalkaldic League. You have my deepest sympathies, Margaret. Please tell me what I can do. Send every assassin in your employ to destroy Aldokar's Plasian. I have two, Chris and Newt. They're especially good at tracking down targets hiding under deep cover. Strange names, though. I'll track down that vile Countess von Uxkul. She's their leader. She's ultimately at fault. She will get everything that is coming to her. Stanislav! Yes, madame? Ready the carriage. We're going on a woman hunt, and we won't spare the horses. What does it mean, spare the horses? Were we going to just kill the horses? Listener, all the pieces from the last episode, the Neptunians, are falling into place. In order to inscribe the final terms of our grim syllogism, let's just peep in on Grimhilda, who, remember, is exploring the basement of Count Crimson's laboratory. What can she have discovered? Oh, poor dears! My poor, poor dears! Oh, girls! What has Grimsy done to you? Oh, manacled 
sub bastard at sheen and risks and knee survive metaphysical extensions. Well, we will just see to Don't thank me, dearies. We know what the Spanish Inquisition, Special European Flying Division, does to innocent young witches it finds. Baby, it's too good for me. You have no We're just a science You should feel your strength returning now, girls. You knew me of old as Millicent the Strange, but today I answer to Grimhilda. Proudly is a psychosomatic poisoner since the year 1236. It is a ludicrous appellation, but, well, it's a long story for another time. You twins must want to search after, after how many years of such abominable treatment from the Emperor has no brain, Chuck Five, and from his next bit of ilk, like Count Crimson. That's the spirit. Look at you, my dears. Thurgan Matterhorn. You are the blood and smooth Matterhorn. You are the fire. Now let us go to Gordium as we ever were destined to. Down, down, under all ground. But wait. First, we must damn the gloom tide I can see coming by making a quick side hop to Utrecht. I need to see a woman about a bathtub. The door is open. Let's go! Listener, you're going to be devastated when I say that's all the time we have for today's Schmalkaldic League adventure, The Vulcanists. So anyway, all is in peril for the Schmalkaldics. Margaret will have her revenge on Countess von Euskel, but will it satisfy? The marionette version of Aldo Krasplasian, now the only existing Aldo Krasplasian, will come to some pretty deep self-searching while fishing. But how will that turn out? And Grimhilda's shape change enzyme serum will have an important role to play in diffusing the tension between Neptunians and Vulcanists. But maybe I, the announcer, just meant that phrase ironically. Who knows? So tune in next week when the Schmalkaldic world finds itself in hot water. Yes, that's the title of episode three of three, In Hot Water. Kind of clever what I did there, if you noticed. Anyway, tune in next week when we'll hear the giant pygmy marmoset of Gordium say... Kevin I'll thank you later for thanking the cast. Those who did excellent jobs today in no particular order. Scott Herrick, Kevin Decker, Davis Hill, Nisha Schramm, Ann Porter, Nancy Roth, Jody Stewart-Strobelt, and Tony Flynn. We'd also like to thank the writer, whom we call Kevin Decker. You can hear the air quotes. We'd also like to thank the Bad Plus and the several people who gather hoping for handouts from us. Carrie Boyce, Vern Windham, Nisha Schramm, Savannah Rothy, Nancy Roth, and the only man who can shave his own back blindfolded. 
Brian Lindsay. 